Thanks for joining us for season seven of the Hospitality Hangout, a hospitality-focused podcast where the founders of Branded Strategic share their insights and bring technology and innovation leaders that are making things happen in the industry we love. My name is Jimmy Frischling, otherwise known as the Finance Guy. I'd like to introduce my partner, Mr. Michael Schatzberg, also known as the Restaurant Guy. And thanks for that kind introduction, Jimmy. And to all those listening, feel free to call me Shatsy. Together, we are the personalities behind branded strategic hospitality. We work at the intersection of hospitality, food service, technology, innovation, and capital. And Jimmy, I got to tell you, I am exhausted. And you want to know why I'm exhausted? Tell me. Tell me why you're so exhausted. I got to tell you, Jimmy, five days in Chicago at the NRA is exhausting. It is a lot. Saturday, Sunday, you got out of there early. You left me. It was exhausting. It was parties. It was drinking. It was meetings. It was hanging. It was everything. Yeah, I did my meetings. I did my work. And then, yeah, I got out of there. You got, but you left me for an extra day. Oh, yeah. I, got, I needed my beauty rest. You did. You did. Well, I got to tell you, it was a great show. It was great to see everybody. It's super exciting. I got to tell you, we got a great guest here today. We are super excited. Before I get into it, Jimmy, I got to tell you something that's been, it's been weighing on me. What is that, Chad? On the flight home from Chicago, NRA, all I was thinking about is the branded marketplace. That's what I was thinking about. All I think about is the branded marketplace. And why isn't everybody on the marketplace? Everyone should be on the marketplace. If you are an operator and you're looking for the best in class tech, any type of solution to run your business, Jimmy, where do you go? I think I'm going to the branded marketplace. The, mar- the marketplace. And if you want to get on the marketplace, boom, you want to get on the marketplace, you email me at marketplace at brandstrategic.com. We can get you onboarded in like a day. That this sounds very expensive, Shatsy. What's this cost? You would think it would yeah, be I, expensive, I think, right? I think. And uh, I get it, Jimmy. It's free. free. It's free for everybody. How do we make money, Jimmy? Volume, volume. baby, volume. That's right. We're You're the finance it. guy. You told me volume, so I'm leaving it to you to figure that out. Anyway, check out the marketplace. If you want to get on, just email me, uh, Jimmy. Back to you. That's great. Listen, leaving some Easter eggs for all of our of uh, all our listeners uh, regarding the marketplace. Just want to say, boom. Boom, and, uh, baby. And until uh, until later notice, uh, that, that that segment, that self-promotional segment was sponsored by Chico's Bail Bonds. Uh, Chico's crushing it, by Chico's the way. Chico's is crushing it. Chico's, you owe me. All right, listen. We are very excited for today's episode. Our guest is our friend, our partner, Mr. Daniel Meth, CEO of Ingest. Daniel, it is wonderful to have you here. How many CEOs have we had on the podcast? It's just CEO after CEO after CEO. We're CEO-centric uh, podcast. Unbelievable. And, uh, and by the way, this is – we are live. We are in B-Works. We are here at Brandon's office. Brandon's it is a gorgeous day looking out the window. I got to say, gorgeous. it's not every time we get the, our guests to come in here and actually say, yeah, you guys – Well, he didn't want to come. You guys really have an office? Anyway, we're here. We had to drag him here. All right. We've, uh, we, we've exhausted our intro Daniel, we'll let you take the lead. Please give us a little intro about yourself and an elevator pitch on Ingest. Absolutely happy to. First and foremost, the whole Daniel thing. Uh, we've probably got to put a put the kibosh on that right now. Only my mother, my wife, and the IRS call me Daniel. I think your um, email is Daniel at Ingest. Because what happened it was, was already so a Dan. It was so already prior a Dan. to it was already a Dan at Ingest. There, there may have been. There may have been. <laughs> prior to meeting my wife in college, I'd always been Dan. And then I met my wife and, you know, the, the first day that I met her, she, she immediately changed my name to Daniel because, you know, if I was just Dan, I was just, you know, some schlub from, uh, from suburban New Jersey, but Dan, Dan the man, biblical. it's biblical. Yes. So, Daniel. uh, very, very, very lofty. Very, very. Real. I will not date a Dan, but I will date a Daniel. I anyway. think Robert o- Earl may have said that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, da- Dan. We, accept, we we always want to be good good hosts. Uh, welcome <clears throat> our guests. We will go with Dan. I appreciate it, uh, Dan Meth, CEO of Ingest. 
Uh, and basically what we are is a data management and analytics solution specific to the F&B and hospitality industry. Um, this is the time that I always take the opportunity to say that we think of ourselves as a data company, uh, not necessarily a restaurant tech solution, but really a data company. We just happen to live exclusively within the highly nuanced confines uh, of this vertical or this industry that we so passionately serve. Um, the basic premise is there is an ever-growing suite of third-party tools and systems that operating groups are relying on in order to conduct business on a daily basis, all of which serve as either data generation or data entry points, but very few of them speak to each other. And so the analogy that I have come close to overusing at this point is imagine if you had a village full of really smart people with really important things to say. And now imagine, unlike, you know, the three of us here, but now imagine <laughs> that none of those people spoke the same language. And so Ingest sits as the centralized hub. We integrate into all of those disparate uh, third-party data sources. We ingest the data, pun fully intended, cleanse it, normalize it, restructure it in such a way that it's able to play nicely. And then we serve up real-time, holistic, cross-vertical analytics and insights through interactive dashboards with BI visualization modules and consolidated flash reports. Uh, Daniel lost me. Yeah, me too. Hey, by the way, Chats. What did he just say? Chats, do you like apples? Uh, I like them apples. Yeah. That's a wicked smart guess. Right, well, listen, Dan, I, I, believe, I, I believe the word that you're looking for is boom. No, boom. That's right, boom. There's well, a lot to unpack there. Yeah. So, Chats, start unpacking. Well, I'm going to start unpacking. First of all, I'm going to count how many times Dan said data. Okay, he said data 47 times, and we're just three minutes into the podcast. So uh, we're going to keep track of that. FanDuel has the over-under at 52. So 52 still, data. Still okay. under. Dan, listen, Sorry, that's, that's, I don't know what you just said. Are we consolidating data and data? Because yeah. if not, I've got a lot more uh, road to work with. Yeah, so we're going to talk to Dan a little bit more about data. and But before we take a deep dive into Dan and data at uh, Ingest, I'd like to learn a little bit about more, a little bit more about Dan. Dan, what makes Dan tick? How did you come from, A, you're a Jersey guy, I'm right? I'm a Jersey guy. Jimmy doesn't like Jersey people. That's Jimmy's okay. never been in New Jersey. And he has some, I, I don't know what it is. He doesn't like New Jersey. That is so not fair. The New York Giants play in Jersey. Frank Sinatra, Bruce Springsteen, even the Jets are. I think it's Bruce Springsteen, I'm pretty sure. Know, my mother thinks he's Jewish. Are, are we, uh, yeah, he's I, Jewish. I was going to say, are we is. claiming him as one of our own? I think he is. Yeah. Sharing. We're sharing. Yeah. Yeah. New Jersey, New York have a wonderful kinship. Well, Dan's a Jersey guy, another Jersey guy here at the table. How do you go from making cakes at haagen right? To a bartender, which, by the way, you know, Jimmy bartender, Chatsy bartender, to founding an educational technology company, to now the CEO. I heard, of- I heard Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk both were bartenders. Okay, uh, oh, I, I, said heard it, they I said it ten minutes ago. Guys. I said it, so I heard myself say it, which is how I heard it. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna stick with that. Bezos, good Musk, good company, best bartenders. I heard cake makers at Hagen could be. It could be. It's only the makeup stuff. We'll keep well, going. How do you go from educate from bartender ed tech to CEO of Ingest and all this data stuff that you were blowing my mind around? With? Yeah. Tell so us. the 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 quick and dirty answer is. Uh, lots of mood and mind-altering substances during my formative years, mm-hmm. a few disappointed Jewish grandmothers along the way. Um, but I think that ultimately, you know, it was just, I, I came out of high school and I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. And so I worked a bunch of odds and ends. Um, what high school? Uh, well, interesting question, Shatsy. So I started at Milburn High School. I got uh-huh. 75% of the way through Milburn, Milburn High, high school. school. Millers. That's right, the Milburn <laughs> Millers. Um And then uh, everyone decided that it was in my best interest to go be successful elsewhere. 
So I, I graduated my senior year from Livingston High School, but we can ah, save that story for uh, the Lancers, for, the Livingston Lancers. That's right. Go we'll Lancers. save that for, for another podcast. Another Jersey. Um, I, I feel so bad that I don't I don't know those schools or or or, or, or care. It's Jersey. It's Jersey. <laughs> it's Jersey. You're so um, happy. So anyway, uh, you know, through a, a number of uh, circuitous paths, um, I finally decided much to. Uh, to, to both of said Jewish grandmother's uh, delight that I wanted to be a doctor. And so I went to college a little bit later in life, double majored in molecular biology, biochemistry, and cell biology, neuroscience, not because I was so smart, uh, but I found out that if you double major in science, uh, it's typically a conversation stopper. So when people ask you what you're studying and you respond that way, uh, they move on to the next person. Um, as a way to pay bills in undergrad, I needed uh, I needed a job. I started doing SAT prep for Kaplan, um, worked for Kaplan for just shy of a year, then started a standardized test prep program at a privately owned center in New Jersey. And then uh, along the way had what I would consider to be one of my first entrepreneurial awakenings, where I said, I don't know how, but I think I can do this better. And so I poached a student and started tutoring across the kitchen table. And then uh, despite my best efforts to sabotage things at every turn, the business grew and grew and grew. And all of a sudden there were employees and offices. Um, fast forward, I, I bounced to payroll, realized I was spread too thin at work, dropped out of school, shy of graduation, much to the Jewish grandmother's chagrin, um, <laughs> and focused exclusively on building that first academic services business. Um, I'm going to skip a bunch of things, but it, you know, yeah, you didn't talk any about the haagen cake making. There was an incident regarding haagen cake making and, you know, that's breaking so news. There was an incident. There was an incident. <laughs> that I, doesn't sound very positive. I, I, I'm not quite sure of the statute of limitations on it, so we're just going to gloss. How over long that. ago? Jimmy's half lawyer. Uh, this was <laughs> on the good side. How old am I? 25 years ago. 24 years. Ago. Hey, Jimmy, are we good? The statute yeah, can tell the right. story. There was no social media then, so yeah, we have no okay. proof. Uh, but Saul Katz, in case you are listening, yes, it was me who put the soap in the cakes. So <laughs> that's a good story. How we listen to this great story. The moment Hagen does just shot up to the number one ice cream in yeah. the, on these on the tri-state area. Yeah. Which Hagen does was it? Was it Milburn? No, no, that's yeah, it was the one on Milburn what Avenue, Milburn, New Jersey. Really? Yeah. You put soap in someone's cake in and Milburn, I, New Jersey. I, don't, I didn't say that. I put the soap. in Somebody the cake. put soap in the cake, or perhaps the tins weren't rinsed well enough. <laughs> but at the end of the day, there was not only the aroma of scent coming out of said cakes, but when you looked in between the layers of ice cream, there may have been some soap bubbles. So like I said, you know, it, it was just, you know, we, we realized that we needed to improve some, uh, some internal processes. We needed to more thoroughly rinse yeah. our pans like after a washing. Sounds management system. We they rinse themselves of damn. Blanket. We need blanket. We need to make sure people are dressed. We need blanket. By the way, get Michael Jacoba here. All right, no, I digress. Listen, I'm jumping in here. And in the spirit of your SAT tutoring, I'm going to give you a choice. You can choose question A, B, or C. Please note, no matter what you say, I'm asking the question I have in front of me. I like B. Okay, good. In that case, B, here we go. This is a perfect episode for me to repeat one of Brand's favorite podcast topics. That operators, hospitality operators, restaurant, hotel, you name it, did not get into the restaurant industry to become data analysts. But the interesting thing is that operators have been paying attention to data for years, but we're not calling it data. We used to call it we, we call it numbers, number of covers, number of dishes, number of drinks. Can you share how you've seen the shift um, in operators who now understand the numbers are, in fact, data? Right. Well, Jimmy, to your point, since the dawn of civilization, operators have been paying attention to the numbers. 
right? Um, yeah, I think Moses uh, started counting. He's 15. Uh, right, 15, 15 uh, yeah, 10, 10 commandments. Right, there were 10. <laughs> exactly. There were 10. I give to you 10 commandments. Um, so yeah, but, but you're precisely right, right? So the, you know, the numbers are data. And so for us, uh, I think that, you know, the, the behavioral shift uh, hasn't been as great as sort of the the awareness and education around it. Getting people to understand that data isn't this, you know, uh, you know what's historically been this esoteric concept, right? It's all of these things that they've already been paying attention to, uh, just, you know, better contextualized so it can paint a more complete picture of what's going on in their business. And so, you know, the parallel that I tried to draw before, before you sort of put me back on the uh, the, the predefined path here was that, you know, one of the reasons that we were as successful as we were in the ancillary academic space was because we realized that the the subject matter didn't matter so much. What mattered more was how you communicate it to your target audience. Right. And so, you know, it was all about uh, sort of presenting material in a language and a format uh, that resonated more organically with uh, with the students that we were teaching. And so what we do at Ingest is we take a similar approach to how we serve up the the analytics and the insights, right? We need to put this incredibly complex information into a more relevant, easily digestible format and language for the operators so they can better understand it, better wrap their heads around it, better leverage it to make smarter operational decisions. Because at the end of the day, what we're trying to do is improve the viability, sustainability, and profitability of the businesses that, uh, that we're fortunate enough to work with. I love it, Dan. And listen, all right, so we're talking about data. And everyone knows they want data. I mean, we, we like Jimmy just said, we talk about the numbers, the covers, the, you know, how many drinks we sold, how many entrees, how many this, how many that, what time. I mean, so we, we operators love the data. We get a lot of data, but I don't think we know what to do with all the data. I mean, at the end of the day, we're trying to run restaurants are trying to run our businesses and it's you get all these reports you have no idea what to do with them so where should operators be looking for the data and how can they use these numbers to help both their bottom line and top line and is that what ingest is helping us do so that's precisely what we are trying to do and yes i do believe that if you talk to our customers that's exactly what we are doing and to answer your question where should operators be looking for it they should be looking for it everywhere Right. Because you've got data coming out of your point of sale system. You've got data coming out of your reservation management system. You've got your COGS data coming out of your purchasing tools. You've got data coming from guest sentiment, marketing and loyalty and all of these different things. The way that we think about data is we ask ourselves three questions. The first question is what happened? The second question is why did it happen? Third question is what would happen if? Right. And so what that means is that in order to start planning for the future, right, and forecasting and all these predictive analytics that everyone gets all hot and bothered about, we first need to be students of history. Right. And so, you know, the one of the things that we do a bit differently from other companies that uh, that also work with data and analytics and reporting is we you know, we fully contextualize the entire data story, right? So think of it uh, as, you know, Jimmy, being, you keeping track of how many times you said data. We're at 37. I've got okay. it. I've got it. Yeah. <laughs> Big money riding on this one. Big money. So, you know, it, context is key here, right? And so if we're looking at sales in the absence of guest sentiment or labor, uh, it's useless. It's myopic. And similarly, if you're just looking at your pop, at your COGS or purchasing numbers, um, it's useless. So the important thing is to be not only looking for data everywhere, but pulling it into one place, normalizing it so it's able to, again, tell a more complete story. Um, 
and you know, just not being afraid of it. There are lots of different ways to get insights. I was afraid of it. I'm not anymore. Yeah. Well, I mean, listen. You know, it it, it it's a big scary thing with <laughs> not shark anymore tape. for me. No, absolutely not. Well, I mean, I, that's because you know I'm the self-appointed. I eat and drink data. Right. So. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I, I think that that's, you know, that's the approach that operators need to start taking. Before you start thinking about what to do with it, you first need to make sure that the data that you're currently working with is as true and complete and accurate as possible. Um, and then once you start working with it, it's important not to exclude any of these other essential uh, tools or data streams um, in order to better understand and predict what's going to happen. Like with don't business. take the data that we don't like and leave it out. Right. Or don't, you know, in terms of forecasting, right, don't focus exclusively on sales and labor, right? Let's say that you are looking to better uh, better schedule based on sales forecasting. Well, that's great. Okay. So you may scale back labor to maintain an ideal percentage of gross sales, but what does that do to your guest sentiment? And, you know, if there is a decrease in guest sentiment, what is that going to do to your reservation count going four, six, eight weeks out? So the most important thing with data uh, is to view it in its entirety and not exclude things that you don't think are relevant. Um, so yeah, thank I, you for I, indulging. I, I'm, I'm digging that also. I'm gonna have to check my notes and figure out if Shatsy is eating and drinking data. I want to know when Johnny Walker became synonymous with data, but that's, uh, that's, that's, that's a story. Wait, that's an is Johnny Walker not data? <laughs> yeah, there, there's this. definitely data to be mined yeah, there. There's data in there. There's definitely right. data in there. All right, listen, at Brandon, we literally, I think maybe on a daily basis, we like to point out that in, in our opinion, the pandemic has changed nothing but accelerated everything. This could not be more true as it relates to ingest. So can you share how COVID has accelerated uh, ingest pr uh, product roadmap? Sure. So, you know, you're right, Jimmy. I don't think that it's really changed our roadmap. It certainly accelerated it. Um, and, you know, along those lines, it has better and more clearly defined our value proposition. Um, you know, the complexity of the operational tech stack has grown significantly over the past two plus years, right? There's been this massive proliferation of pointed tools. Um, and so, you know, the more tools there are, the more you know, com complex and complicated the, uh, the tech stack is, the greater the need for something to, you know, sort of perform the aggregation, consolidation, normalization of all of that highly relevant, highly important data, and then make sense of it. Um, you know, I got to tell you, you can tell this guy taught SAT. I mean, he's using a lot of big words. Am I'm I right? Just, I'm enjoying the velvety tone. It's I, so I, nice. I the, the big words are wonderful, but I like the velvety cadence. The the rolls them in so seamlessly. You know, my, my father was an attorney, and so I, I learned at a very young age, maybe fifth grade, sixth grade, that words are powerful. And if I included the words pursuant to the above referenced, even in a book report, it was an automatic. Entry. I seriously want you to put a book on audio. And I want to listen to it when I go to See, sleep. Velvety, the velvety, really nice. Yes, Leonard Lopate, Dan Math reading War and Peace. <laughs> I love it. Well, listen, Dan. Let's just jump into you talked about forecasting. That's really interesting because you said, I think a lot of operators are always look, using data numbers. We look at history. Look at what happened. How we do last week? How we do last night? How we, you know? How, but how are we going to do? We don't really know. I mean, sure, we look at the weather, and I know when Mother's Day is coming and Valentine's Day and big sporting events and things like that. But give us an idea of what your team and what Ingest is doing 
uh, with taking the data and helping us forecast to better understand how much should I be buying? What are my sales going to be? Can you share a little about that? Because that's really interesting. Sure. And it's not going to be the answer that you're hoping for. Because as long, today, as, you, as, as long as it's a velvety voice, a lot of big <laughs> words, I don't care what you say. So, Shatsy, the important thing to take note of is that today right, sexy. we are- Now you're getting sexy, Dan. <laughs> today we're a descriptive product, right? And so when we think about forecasting and predictions, that's prescriptive. So our primary focus to this point has been delivering the most accurate the most truthful up to the minute uh, data points and analytics for operators. Because in order to create the most accurate forecasts and the most accurate predictions, you need to make sure that the data that you're working with uh, is, as, is as truthful and complete as possible. Um, one of the other things that we are excited to do is uh, to provide operators with other historicals and other benchmarks, right? So as we know or may not know, data is worthless unless you're benchmarking against something. Shatsy, like you just said, uh, traditionally what people are benchmarking against is prior performance, right? How did we do last week? How did we do last, last year? year? How did we yeah. do the last time the Rangers won game seven at home? You know, and but but the problem with that is if your historicals are no bueno, Right. Then, like, how is how is your forecast going to be of uh, of any value? And so one of the things that we are excited to begin doing is to start providing operators uh, with more industry specific benchmarks, too. So now uh, against an anonymized data set, you're going to be able to benchmark against similar types of concepts, similar geographic regions, similar tech stacks. So it's it's an additional sanity check of sorts. So you're not only benchmarking against your own performance however good or not good it may have been, but you're also able to benchmark against the performance of others. So again, it, it serves the purpose of helping paint uh, a more complete picture. So like I said, uh, definitely not the, the answer that you were looking for. We do not do any forecasting today. There are a number of other partner companies out there that do uh, forecasting exclusively. I'm sure that some of them are really good. I'm sure that there are some of them that are not quite as good, um, but we understand the important piece and role that we play in the process, which is making sure that all of the data that is being fed into uh, these predictive models and algorithms uh, is as accurate, complete, and true as possible. I'm digging all that. It's also not lost on me that every single investment disclaimer I've ever seen has highlighted that in historical performance is not indicative of future performance. And yet here we were talking about how the, there's an, not only a heavy reliance on historical performance, but somewhat singularly so. So I found that to be very interesting. Um, I want to jump in and, you know, if there was something, you know, there's something you've mentioned to me before that I'd like to highlight. Um, and, and that is you want operators to be able to know more about their business so they can think less about their business. Um, can you elaborate a bit on, on what this is, uh, what you're talking about? You want them to know more about their business. So they can think less about it. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're right, Jimmy. So I, I think, you know, as, as the two of you have, have said previously ad nauseum, um, operators don't go into the business to become data, data analysts or data scientists. Um, they're dealing with 11 billion operational challenges that are sort of unique and specific to what this was that number. It was 11, 11 billion. It was 11, 11 billion. Yeah. I thought I heard that too. 11 yeah. billion. Is that a real number, Jimmy? Yeah, you're fine. For, for, for purposes of this episode. Yeah, we're good. So oh, okay, I, it, cool. it, it was it's actually not 12 billion. It's 11. 11 it, it, it was appropriated from a, from a Saturday 
Saturday Night Live celebrity Jeopardy routine <laughs> with Keanu Reeves, where they asked Mr. Reeves how much he wagered. And he said 11D. And uh, Will Ferrell playing Alex Trebek said, that's not even a real number, to which Keanu Reeves responded, not yet. Ah, <laughs> yes. So, so. Matrix stuff on us. But, but at the end of the day, right, like operators have to deal with, right, everyone, these, these are the hot button issues right now, variable costs, right? We're worried about labor. We're worried about COGS. Um, and so the last thing that operators have time for and the last thing that they should be spending their time on is really diving into exotic cuts and slices of data. So it's incumbent upon us as the data professionals in the room to be able to serve up all of these important analytics and data points and metrics and insights, again, in a super easy to understand uh, and a very you know efficient and actionable way. So they know what they need to know without spending time looking for it, right? Like how many operators love living inside of Excel? Um, outside of scheduling, we used to use about 25 years ago. I don't think any. Right. So nobody loves yeah. living inside of Excel. Zero. Yeah. And so, you know, what we tell people is we give you the opportunity to no longer have to assemble and normalize and reconcile models inside of Excel. We're going to do all of it for you. Um, now, if you would have said Lotus 1, 2, 3... I but was, now you're dating I yourself. I said operators yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. Now, you're, now you're dating yourself. Yeah, this segment, no one use that anymore? This, this segment is sponsored by Microsoft. Uh, Dan and, and Jess are single-handedly getting everyone off Microsoft. Lo off Lotus yeah, back to Lotus 1, 2, 3. Is Lotus 1, 2, 3 coming back? We hey, listen, before we move on, Dan, because we've got a lot to get into and a lot more show, what's next for Ingest? Talk to me a little about what's next. So what's next for us? Um, you know, number one, growing the team. Uh, we're coming off a fresh fundraise right now. And so it's time for us to really, uh, you know, boom, boom, exactly. Boom, baby. Um, it, it's time to start, you know, uh, strategically uh, deploying some of this capital to, uh, to scale out the team on all fronts, um, sales, product, engineering. Um, you know, we are also yeah, Dan, is that breaking news? Uh, perhaps yes, they're hiring, perhaps, but yeah, breaking but just, news ingest is hiring. <laughs> come on, come all jobs at ingest.ai. There you go. Jobs at ingest AI.ai. Uh, look at that, everybody. So yeah, growing the team, uh, in the spirit of growing, we're also actively growing our footprint in the fast, casual and QSR space. Nice. I think historically we have, uh, skewed towards full service restaurants. Um, but you know, this is a great time for us to, to really start building out some more presence in, in that space. Um, and at the end of the day, we're also uh, working towards telling better stories with data, right? Shatsy, going back to what you were saying before, what I am I supposed to do? I just want you to read me a data story tonight before bed. <laughs> happy to, happy to. We can record I will go to well. bed for hours. Yeah. <laughs> well, so, yeah, super scintillating stuff. It sounds amazing. Look, we, we're so excited that you're here. We're so excited what's going on at Ingest. You know what? Listen, we have a segment called Talking Back. Because you know what? Jimmy likes to talk a lot. I talk my fair share. Uh, together, we talk a really lot. Okay? That everybody, no one's going to argue about that. So, you know, we started with, the, with, with this talking back segment, basically giving our guests an opportunity to ask us a question. So, you're going to, the mic is yours. You ask Jimmy and I anything you want, and we will try and answer it to the best of our ability. Go. I can play this game. That's well done, Chassis. Well done. Yeah. Question, question number one. Well, you only get one question. We got two here. That's okay. I'll be quick. Um, which of you is going to shave your head first? Oh. Shave my head first? Yeah. I, why am I shaving that? I, make I, think, I think that's definitely me. Is that a bed? I think it's definitely me. I mean, I, I'm just saying, three handsome men here. Three handsome men. We've that's, been blessed with lots of gifts. That is very much debatable. Lots, lots <laughs> Thank of you, gifts, Dan. Lots of gifts. 
Um, but I think that, you know, we can all agree that, you know, none of us will be remembered for our for flowing our, locks. Correct. I, correct. Am, I, I think I can answer this question and confidently, take say, off your hat. and confidently say that I will have the shaved head well, well in advance of Shatz. You may never shave his head. I've been I'm dealing, for 25 years, I've been dealing with the shaved head issue for a long time where I go to a barber and they're like, how about we shave it? I'm like, and that's why I'm not going to continue working with you. If that's your best advice to me, <laughs> shave the head. I got to find a new barber. I got to find a new barber, but I think it's going to be me. Okay. Okay. Question number two. If you weren't doing this, right? So Shatsky, if you weren't the restaurant guy, and Jimmy, if you weren't the finance guy, what would the two of you be doing? Oh, great oh, if, if I wasn't restaurant guy, I, I, I get that. I would, have been, I would have been a talent agent in, the, in, in, in Hollywood, 100%. That was where I was going. Yeah, I could see that. That's where I was going. Before I, I was bartending, I was going to Hollywood. The agent, not the talent. I you got could a be job both. at United Talent Agency. UTA hired me, and I was on my way. You're on your way. I was on my way. And, and they dragged you. They dragged you <laughs> behind dragged the bar. Me back. <laughs> Said we need you at the bar. <laughs> um, well, for me, actually, my answer to be very different than Chad's. Yeah, I would absolutely be the finance guy. I would just be one of many, many, many in uh, the world of Wall Street. And um, um, I, 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 I've been a Wall Streeter. I'm maybe a recovering Wall Streeter a little bit, but I would, I would have been sticking in that sport, which I'd been in for 30 years, uh, where I love the job and I love the responsibilities, and I feel. Most of what I do today is exactly what I've been doing for those decades. But the difference to me is the love of the asset class and yeah. the love of the earlier nature of the business I'm now in and the building of businesses, including this one, but also working with entrepreneurs like yourself and, and the, our other par partner companies. But for me, I would be a finance, first, a finance guy. But in, in the world of hospitality, I'm finance guy because – well, it's a little differentiating. In, in the world I came from, I was just one of one of the many suits. Yeah, nobody likes to eat and drink more than Jimmy. Yeah, and people tell me I pay, I eat, I, I eat I drink for free. I've, I've it's seen not, Jimmy it's not drink. free. I just paid up front. Like, it, like when you get on the bus, you pay up front, and then you ride. You're not riding for free. You just paid up front. I paid up front. That's all. But I'd be, I'd be the finance person, and I'd be still working on my Wall Street, some asset class um, that was certainly interesting and engaging, but it would not be as fun as this one. And without any, I, I, I want to want to disparage anything I've ever, ever done or come from because those were really wonderful experiences. But I will say the following, and I hope I don't get in too much trouble for this, but the asshole factor yeah. in this industry, yeah. in this hospitality, tech, and innovation is greater than that. Is of, a oh. fraction. Fraction. Much lower. Much yeah. lower. No, no, I no, no. Damn, we have no ass. But, but at least we don't have to tuck in our shirts in this business. You know? And we dress That's my big we, thing. We dress much better. Yeah. Jimmy hasn't yeah. worn a tie since uh, last, the last bar mitzvah. I gave did. all my ties to my daughter, and she uses them as you make it ropes and make it strings. It's all good. Out of, out of ties. All right. You've got right. two questions, Dan. Right. That's uh, one more that you're supposed to have. Jimmy. Okay. I get, thanks to Julie. Uh, and and now our our assistant executive producer Jen, I get to do uh, the new segment. I finally got a new segment. Um, I recently shared with a few members of the team uh, one of my favorite restaurant moments, and I was talking about a restaurant moment I had with Shatsy. Um, and and it you know the team started thinking that's pretty funny stuff, and it'd be interesting to hear stories from some of our guests about their own restaurant experience. So Dan. Can you share your favorite restaurant moment, which I believe had something to do with a waitress who did not understand your sarcasm? Uh, statue of limitations. Uh, uh, let's check with our legal department. Jimmy? And we're good. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right. 
So yeah, I, one of them, um, and in the spirit of taking two, I'm going to share two here. Uh, one of them, uh, this is years ago, I think before, no, this was probably after my it wife had gotten be, married. It has to be more than seven years. Yeah, it was more than seven. Okay, well, I'm coming up on 10 years, so, okay, good. so I think it's okay. more than seven. Uh, my wife and I went out to dinner and the, uh, the waitress came over to the table and she said, oh, the two of you, so, so beautiful. You have this super exotic look. Are you brother and sister? And I immediately responded, yes, brother and sister and husband and wife. How cool is that? And that was the last time that we saw the waitress that evening. <laughs> um, the... What she what she call the police? I, she, she called in. She, she tagged somebody it's not else. Legal in. here. She tagged somebody else. <laughs> You're taking that table. And the, uh, the the other one. So my my paternal grandfather was from Austria, and so my dad grew up speaking a little bit of German in the house. And so years back, my father took my brother and I. Um, uh, given that I spent time tutoring for SATs, took me and my brother uh, skiing out in Vail. And there was this wonderful little Austrian restaurant in Vail Village called Peppi's. And so the waiter comes over and says, Sounds Willkommen. very German. Very German. Very efficient. High on efficiency. And so the waiter Schnitzel comes over. Group, I'll bet. And my father proceeds to order the entire meal in German. And you could just see he was beaming, right? The smile on this guy's face. He was so proud of himself. And the waiter let him finish. And at the end, the waiter looked at my father and he said, I'm sorry, sir, I don't speak German. Yeah, you know that. <laughs> I don't speak a word in German. But the fact that he just, he gave my dad the floor, Something like that. Something like that. Jack, um, your German is almost as good as your, uh, your, uh, uh, your Irish. Uh, Irish, your, Irish yeah. With, pretty much, they're all the same. They're all the same. With slight, slight differences. We might need a map in here. We might, <laughs> yeah. maybe next time. All right. So I, I think that's it. We're good. We're done. I and mean, of course, one moment, Jimmy. Oh my goodness! I hear I was making you're going right to Brandon Quickfire. I was, I was, I was teasing the Brandon Quickfire, but you're right. I yeah, got some more moments. Dan, I, I, I apologize. We usually go back and forth, but I get I'm doubling up. You've been doubling up. I'm doubling up. Okay, we're gonna go with our crystal ball moment. A chance for all our guests to put on their Creskin and Miss Cleo hat and predict the future. The future. How do you see restaurants and dining two years from now in relation to hospitality and technology? Ooh, that's a tough one, especially given the, uh, you know, the, the data the issues current, and the data, 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 not data, 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 data. Is there yeah, an we, accent we over pull. the A? Umlau. Data with an accent over the A? No? I'm going to let Dan go back to the question. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Jimmy. Um, so where do we see it? Well, number one, I think that, you know, the, the economy is in a, in a pretty precarious place right now. And Jimmy is probably far better qualified to speak to that. You're absolutely so right curious. about that. Yeah. So I'm... Um, <laughs> I didn't have to graduate college in order to, to pick up on that. Um, so I, I'm, I'm curious to see what the the next 18 to 24 months uh, as a function of the, you know, the overall economy looks like for the industry. But, but what I think that there's going to be is a, a balancing of sorts, meaning that uh, those concepts, fast, casual, quick service that have historically been more transactionally driven are going to be leveraging technology to better interact with and deliver hospitality and understand their customer base. And on the flip side of the same coin, I think that those businesses that have historically been very hospitality centric or focused are going to be leveraging hospitality to better understand their bottom line and run as more efficient businesses. Because I think that, you know, at the end of the day, there exists this per perfect balance of running an organization, both with high touch uh, front of house hospitality, and also a firm, solid understanding of unit economics and business operations. Um, so that's what I think the next two years is going to look like. Hmm. I, I got to tell you, one thing I know for sure everyone needs to eat. 
This I, I can. I, I I agree with you, and and we'll save it for a uh, another time. And I really do respect and like your answer, Dan. Um, but I was going to actually say it's similar to what Chet just interjected. Um, is while I'm not going to say food and beverage are like oxygen, I'll say it's pretty freaking close to oxygen. It Everyone is. needs it every single day. And when we think about the economy and certainly the headwinds, and, and again, it's not for today's episode, um, teaser, we'll do another one on this topic another time, but um, there are a lot of things people can cut back on and a lot of things people can give up on. And food and beverage at the end of the day is something that is is, is constant. Yeah. Um, so will there be changes? Of course. Will there be challenges? Yes. Will there be opportunities? Branded things immensely. Yeah. And um, you, you just have to space. look back to 2008, 2009. Yep. Spend remained constant. There was just a reallocation. Yes. Right? All right, so now we're done. We no, no, oh, no, we can't no, wrap it up. Now we go to the branded quickfire, Jimmy. So we're going to do branded quickfire, B-Works, New York City edition, here with Dan Meth, CEO of Ingest. Dan, I'm going to ask you five lightning round questions. Don't think too hard. First thing that comes to mind, are you ready? Born ready. Favorite Milburn Deli sandwich? Maple turkey trot on white. Boom. Wow. I thought it was Zach different. Oates. Did you hear that? Zach, Zach Oates. Oates <laughs> you know? uh, where are you getting dinner from tonight? Wherever you guys are going to take me. We are actually doing a team dinner tonight, and I'm happy to give this spot a plug at a phenomenal Albanian restaurant called Chkaka Chalu. I don't think they're a sponsor, Jimmy. Not yet. We'll, we'll call you we'll call you Kaka Chikalu yeah, when Chico is paying top dollar right now. Chikaka Chalu. Uh, they've got a location Midtown East and also one up on Crescent Ave in the Bronx. All right. All right. We'll, they owe us money for that. The uh, what is your favorite food city in the world? Oh boy. Um, as a recent transplant to New Orleans. Here it comes. Wait for it. Yeah. So I am supposed to say New Orleans is yeah. now my favorite food New city in the world. Be smart and safe um, for you. <laughs> but but the the honest answer is I think that Los Angeles oh. is one of the most, if not the most exciting. Wow, we're going to get a lot of hate mail on that one. He didn't choose the, yeah. the the better coast; he chose the other coast. Yeah, I think that. Yeah, yeah, yeah could have just Los went Los Has it going on? Los Where's your favorite place to travel, Mister Dan? Daniel Shats, I, I have three kids, six and under. So given that my idea my of a backyard, great, yeah, exactly. My to, to CVS, right? And I cherish that seven minutes cherish of silence seven minute drive. Yeah, on the on the way to the. By the way, I CVS. told Jimmy the other day, I'm like, you know, I miss those sharper image stores. When I was younger and my kids were little, that was like a great day out. The, that yeah, was like going to chair. That was like, yeah, I'm like, you take, massage chair. I had to take the kids out. Where did I take them? Sharper image. I mean, two hours. Yeah, that was had, a great they had air day. hockey. They yeah. had like the life size. You only say where to take the kids. I'd say it's sharp, sharp image. Image. That's what you did with them? Yeah, they love it. Yeah. It's a great day. Anyway, okay. If you were to challenge Jimmy or I to an old school backyard summertime slip and slide race, who would you have better odds of beating? Oh, my God. Are you kidding? The slip and slide? I'm pretty sure slip and slide is all based on girth. I thought this was an interesting question. I have to tell you. So, but but if you, you know, get a running begs, start, Jimmy, the heaviest object is going to go. But it depends, right? It depends. Like there, there's a follow-up question here. Are we talking about a flat surface or are we talking about a decline, right? Because if we're talking decline, you're right. I've got mass. So, Shats, I'll take you every, every day of the day, week. Yeah. If it's a flat surface. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to challenge Jimmy. Yeah, I'm not going to go as far. Yeah, yeah, because the frictional <laughs> coefficient. Daniel is molecular, molecular stuff going on here. So now he's starting to bring friction into it and That's stuff right. like that. That's right. Not so wrong. who would you be? I'd be, I mean, again, You'd I'd be beat both. you going down. I'd be Jimmy going flat. What about going up? 
<laughs> we all lose. Everybody loses. <laughs> Nobody goes. I, you know what? I'm going to respect the answer, and uh, and 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 I'm, I'm agreeing with you. I think you would beat us both, and I agree with the downhill, flat hill. Dan, I got to ask you one question before we uh, we wrap this show up. Um, what language do you speak? At home? No. Just right here, right now, everywhere. The Queen's English. English, good. Queen's I needed English. you to say the word English because I was keeping little notes. Um, in the education field, Dan has brought up math, science, history, and language. He basically nailed four to five uh, major course areas throughout my high school and collegiate career. Yeah, not bad I just for want, I just wanted I don't to think say they the teach word that anymore, though, in school. Not just wanted to say the word English. Ding, ding, ding. No, that was one it. for the you thumb. We've covered all subjects. Not bad for a guy who got kicked out of high school and dropped out of college. We covered all subjects. Okay. Dan, we want to thank you so much for joining us uh, on the podcast and for sharing all your great insights. Uh, we are loving uh, what you and your team are doing at Ingest. Uh, Brandon um, is making a big uh, push and play um, in the data and analytics space. Uh, we think it's really important to operators, um, and, and we really believe that what you're doing at Ingest is going to be a big help um, you know, for margin optimization, better decision-making, and, and, and whatnot. So really dig it. Um, if you want to get in touch with Dan directly, you can email the podcast team. I have team. a cell right here, but yeah, we don't. That's a, that was a season one. <laughs> but it's Dan. That's the burner. Okay. That's the burner. So we, uh, you can email podcast at brandedstrategic.com, and we'd be happy to make the connection and the introduction. Uh, to our listeners, we want to thank you so much for tuning in with us. We know there are literally hundreds of thousands of podcasts out there. And despite Chats joking around that we got six listeners, including his family and my family, now maybe Dan's three kids or up to nine, despite that type of humor, our subscribers is going off the charts. And we really appreciate uh, how much buzz that you guys are contributing uh, to our podcast. Um, please join us next week as we welcome our guest and friend, Mr. David Bloom of Capriati's. Another, another CEO. Yes, CEO David Bloom of Capriati's and Wing Zone. And let me tell you something. That company is on a tear. On a tear. Well, this on David Bloom is one smart MF. He is one smart MF. Can you say that? MF? Can we say MF? I can say MF. Uh, Dave's a big guy. Let's make sure let's, he's let's see if he brings up coefficient of yes. friction. Okay. If no, you, no. I, I didn't say he's the smartest guy in the podcast. <laughs> I say he's the biggest guy in the podcast. I, I, I want to edit out all that stuff. He may very well be the smartest guy, but he's, all, he's a big man. Big dude. Okay, big listen. Dude. And finally, and finally, if you haven't done so already, please subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss out on any of the exciting guests we have coming up in the future. Better yet, invite a friend to hang and out with us. Uh, Dan just time. sent me a note, Jimmy, that he's giving an offer. He has made an offer for our listeners. He's made an offer. Yes. Dan, Dan has graciously, Daniel Meth has graciously just given the first 100 emailers or callers a credit or a gift card, if you will, for Milburn Deli Sloppy Joes. Oh, Thank you God to man. 100 Sloppy Joes from the Milburn Deli, courtesy of Ingest and Dan Meth. And let me tell you, Dan, what's the sandwich they get? The, the maple turkey trout on white. Okay, there you go, everybody. So if you want one of those, Dan, what is it again? Maple turkey trout on white. <laughs> Just email us or call us or send us a note, and Dan will send one right to your house. Yeah, so my, thank to, you, to our friends at Milburn, you could uh, contact Milburn Deli. Milburn Deli. You can contact me, and I'll give you Shatsy's personal credit card, so you're not on the hook for any of this. Yeah, Jimmy, they're not going to they're not going to contact you. They're in Jersey. Okay. They're they're in, oh, you know, they know they <laughs> yeah, they, they know that you don't <laughs> they, like Jersey. They keep All it right. us. <laughs> anyway, this is Jimmy Frischling, your finance guy. Dan, with great appreciation, keep doing what you're doing, and it is great to have you here in the office guys. with us. A lot of fun. Back to you, Shatsy. Uh, from Shatsy, a.k.a. The Restaurant Guy, thank you to all our listeners. Thank you, Dan Meth, and thanks, everybody, for listening to the Hospitality Hangout. Cheers, everybody. Cheers. Thanks, Dan. Thanks, guys. 